We are in Yavamos, the very bottom of Tzadi Gimel, Amabez 93b, moving on to 94a. We are now up to the second version of the question that we had in the last recording. Uh, in the first version, the Gemara asked the question about uh, what is the uh, main driving force to believe one witness? Why do we believe one witness? Now, why did the Gemara discuss that? Because they were asking, what happens in the following case where we have one witness who says that the husband died, but it's a case where they did not have children, and uh, because the husband died, she would have to do Yibam or Chalitza. Now, this case is slightly different because since it's with regards to her brother-in-law, so she already has a relationship with her brother-in-law. And according to this first version, which we did last time, um, uh, the concern was that she would actually want to do Yibam because she knows her brother-in-law. She wants to do Yibam. She would want to be married to him. And uh, maybe she won't look into the matter well. So is it, do the, why do we believe the one witness? Do we believe one witness because uh, he, he's not lying and uh, he must be telling the truth uh, because there's a good chance that the husband is alive, he'll be coming back and nobody would lie about that? Or is it, no, it's really the, the primary driving force is because we trust that she will look into the matter well. She's not going to look into the matter well if uh, she has some sort of incentive because um, she, she wants to do Yibam. So what would be the law there? In the end of the day, we proved from our Mishnah and we said that uh, the one aid, the one witness is believed in that case. Now, the second version takes that for granted. It assumes that we do believe the one witness in that case. As the second version starts off, it says, Vikadamri. Uh, the second version says, Halo In a case where the one witness says that the husband died. Uh, they know that the husband died and therefore she could go ahead and do Yibam. That is obvious that we believe. How do we know that? Because a woman, the woman, the wife herself is believed to say that her own husband died to then allow her to get married or to allow her to go ahead and do Yibam, which is our case. So if we believe her, so then certainly we'll also believe the one witness. Now, as we explained in the last recording, that is not so simple uh, because uh, maybe you could say that we believe her because she's not going to outright lie, but that doesn't mean that she's going to look into the matter. Maybe she'll rely on the one witness and she won't look into the matter. So if it's her herself and relying on her completely without anybody else, she won't lie about that. She won't say that her husband died when her husband didn't actually die. Um, and she never saw it. Uh, but uh, maybe if there's one witness, so then she'll rely on, the one, one, on that one witness. Uh, and so that's why the first version is the first version. They ask it as a question. But according to the second version, it's something which is obvious. According to the second version, what's the whole question? The whole question is, The cases where you have one witness who says one of the following. It either says the one witness says that uh, basically uh, the husband already passed away. She's set to do Yibam, but the witness says that the brother-in-law passed away. Uh, that's a simpler case, but essentially where the brother-in-law passes away. So this now allows her to marry anybody else. In general, to marry somebody else when you are supposed to be doing Yibam or Chalitza, that would be an ordinary negative commandment to go ahead and marry somebody else in the meantime. Now, she's not married. to It's not, it's not viewed as adultery. She's not, she's not married to her Yavam yet, to the brother-in-law. She still has to wait to do Yibam or Chalitza, but there is some sort of Zika. There's some sort of connection there, so she's not allowed to marry somebody else. But if the witness says that the brother-in-law died, so then she's allowed to marry whoever she wants. Or 
explains Rashi, a different type of a case is where the witness says, you know what? Uh, we know that the husband died first and then the child died. So that at the time that the husband died, they had a child and there is no mitzvah yibam, she could go marry whoever she wants. And so essentially, both died, the husband died and the child died. Uh, the child, the only child died. Uh, and the witness is saying that the husband died first and then the child so that uh, she is exempt from doing yibam and she can marry whoever she wants. So in that case as well, do we believe the one witness or not? Why did, so the Gemara goes to the same exact uh, back and forth that we had in the first version. If we say it's because the one witness is believed, because he wouldn't lie, because if the husband is actually, or if the brother-in-law is actually alive, he's going to come back, and the one witness wouldn't take the risk to lie, because there's a, you know who knows whether the brother-in-law will come back if he's actually alive. So it must be that he's telling us the truth. So then here too he's telling us the truth. Or maybe... Um, we say here, you know what? Maybe it's really based on the fact that we believe the one witness in combination with the fact that she, the sister-in-law in this case, will look into the matter well to make sure that, let's say, her brother-in-law really died. Well, in this case, maybe she's not going to look into the matter well. Why? Because it's a brother-in-law relationship. So in the first version... Because they know each other well, maybe he likes, she likes him. In this situation, you know what? Maybe uh, she hates him and she doesn't want to get married to him. And so she's going to say, you know what? He died. The brother-in-law died because I hate him. Uh, and she's not going to look into the matter well. We have that one witness, but she's not going to look into the matter. She's supposed to look into the matter to make sure she's not going to do due diligence because she really wants it to be that he's not alive. She's not interested in doing Yibam. And in fact, some of the, the commentators point out that the psychology behind this, that... Uh, that uh, the hate is, 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 is so much stronger that even though if, according to this version, the fact that she might like him, that doesn't play a factor. We still believe the one witness. That's because love isn't as strong, unfortunately, as hate. And that if, he really, if she really doesn't want to marry him, when it comes to love, okay, she likes the, she likes the brother-in-law. She'll find somebody else to like. Uh, there are other, other fish in the sea. But if she... If she uh, uh, so it, the, the love there... Uh, won't impact whether or not she looks into the matter. But when it comes to that, if she really doesn't like him and she doesn't want to be married to him, she's not going to look into it as well, suggests the Gemara, as a possibility to perhaps why we won't believe this one witness. Because the hate is that much stronger. And she, she really doesn't want to She doesn't want to get into this marriage. So therefore, she she's not going to lie on her own necessarily. But uh, once we have the one witness, she won't look into the matter well because she really doesn't want to enter into this marriage. So the Gemara now wants the proof in the Mishnah, the same exact way that we proved the Mishnah from the last version. We had the case where we have witnesses who say that our case of Rashi, that the husband died first and then the child died. So essentially there's no Yibam at the time that the husband died. There was a child, there's no Yibam. She married somebody else. And then we find out that it was the opposite, that really the child died first and there was an obligation to Yibam. So we say that uh, she has to leave. She has to leave, uh, she has to leave her, the one she married, and uh, the children are Mamzerim. The children are Mamzerim, at least according to Rabbi Akiva. So Hechidami, what's the case? What's that case? Do we have one witness there? Are there two witnesses? If it's really two witnesses said that the husband died first and then the child. And then two other witnesses came and said, no, it was the child and the husband. Well, that's a real clash. And we don't know what to do in that case. That's a real clash. 
My chazis is samachani, samachani. Why do you rely on the first two, on the second two witnesses? Rely on the first two. You don't know who to rely upon. Va'od mamzer, something mamzer who? How could you call the children mamzerim? It's it's questionable whether they're mamzerim. We don't know for sure whether they're mamzerim. Vechitem alo dak, hamadikitani seifa harishon mamzer vachonina mamzer shmamina didavka kitani. It can't be talking about a case where we're not sure if the child's a mamzer. We know for sure he's a mamzer because if the rest of the Mishnah, from the rest of the Mishnah, it seems clear that we're dealing with cases where there's for sure a mamzer. So it has to be a case where, where we know with certainty that the first pair is incorrect, or at least the first witness is incorrect. So is it a case of two witnesses? Hard to, it's difficult to say that it's two witnesses against two witnesses. Then you have a real clash. You don't know what to do. Rather, el lav chad. Rather, it's where one witness comes and says... That the father died first and then the child. And we believe that one witness to the point where we say, go ahead and get married to whoever you want. You're not obligated to do Yibam. You don't have to do Yibam. In fact, you can't do Yibam because the, your husband died while you still had a child. The child died afterwards. Go ahead and get married. And then two witnesses. Two is better than one. Two witnesses then come along and they say that, you know, it's not, that wasn't the case. The case is where the child died first and then your husband died. Your husband died with, and you had no children. You were obligated to do Yibam. So now you have to leave your marriage. Uh, and so two is greater than one. But the point is, the but we see from here that if the two witnesses didn't come, we would believe the one witness. So this is the answer to our question. We see that we believe the one witness. Uh, that's, what the, that's what the Gemara says. The Gemara now rejects this, which is different than the first version. The Gemara rejects the mission. It says as follows. The Gemara says, no, you can have a case of two and two where the second pair is stronger than the first. The Gemara says, You could have a case. This is referred to as an exception to the rule of the laws of witnesses. In general, when it comes to witnesses, when you have a clash of two witnesses against two witnesses, and they say um, they say opposite uh, statements, and they, there's a clash between each other, so then we don't know what to do. It's a stalemate. Except for in one case. It's referred to as Ede Hazama. When the witnesses, they don't say opposite information. All they say is they're not testifying on the case itself. They are testifying on the first pair of witnesses. And they say, your claim, your testimony is false. How do I know your testimony is false? Because you were with us on the day that you claimed that you saw the husband and child die. You were with us in a different place. So it's impossible for your testimony to be accurate. In such a case, we don't view that as a clash of two versus two. We view that as though the second pair of witnesses are testifying on the first pair of witnesses. And so the second pair of witnesses uh, are the ones that we that we believe and the ones that stand in court as opposed to the first pair. Now, that issue of Eide Azama is a big topic. That itself is a big topic. It's the Gemara, the Talmud even refers to that as Chidosh HaTorah, as a, as a novel law as to why that is. It's really be viewed as a clash. Why trust the second pair over the first pair? The first pair claimed that they were at the scene of the death. The second pair says, no, you were with us somewhere else. But why do we trust the second over the first? Is a very important discussion, but it's uh, too much, inform- too much to, it takes too long to discuss it. Uh, we don't have time to discuss that now, but it's a, it's a big, big topic. In ge- again, in general, two versus two, when there's a clash of witnesses that they say opposite things, it's a stalemate. We don't know what to do. It's a suffix. We're still in doubt. But when it's this case where the second pair says that it's impossible, what you're saying is false, because you are with us, not because they reject uh, the statement itself, they have no idea about the statement, but they, re- they say that it's impossible for your testimony to be accurate because you were with us on that day in a different place. So then they beat out uh, the first pair. 
And that's the case of the Mishnah. You can say that's the case of the Mishnah where we believe the second period. It's not talking about one witness. You have no proof to our question. Our question is, you have one witness say that she's exempt from Yibam because the fa- the father died and then the husband died and then the child died. An exemption from Yibam because at the time of the death of the husband, they had a child and we're dealing with one witness. The Mishnah's not, not, not talking about one witness. The Mishnah's talking about where you have two witnesses against two witnesses. We believe the second pair because it's a case of Ede Hazama where they don't testify against the statement itself. They testify that the witnesses were with us somewhere else. So we're left with the question. So what do we do with the question? So Amar Le, Rav Mordechai, Rav Ashi, Vamrila, Rav Achal, Rav Ashi, maybe we could have another proof. Tashma. We have the following Brisa. The Brisa says a woman is not believed to say that her brother-in-law died so that she can marry somebody else. The wife, or the sister-in-law herself is not believed to say that. She's also not believed to say, interesting case, uh, that uh, her sister died. We know that uh, if her sister is married to somebody, uh, to, to her brother-in-law, so she's not allowed to marry her brother-in-law, as long as, even if they get divorced. She's not allowed to marry her brother-in-law unless her sister dies. If her sister dies, she's allowed to marry him. And, she's, and so she testifies that uh, her sister died. She's not believed. She's not believed in that case either. But the Gemara wants to say, The implication of the Brisa is that she's not believed as the one who's involved. But let's say you had a witness who's not involved in the case. Its implication is, is that that witness is believed to say that uh, the brother-in-law died or to say that uh, the sister died. That, the, that, that one witness is believed. So the Gemara says, no, what are you talking about? It's not in contrast to the, to, to the witness. So the Gemara says, what are you talking about? The rest of the Brisa doesn't fit with what you're saying. The rest of the Brisa says as follows. A man, a man is not believed. He's not believed to say uh, that his brother died. He's not believed to say his brother died so that uh, he does yibum so that he marries his sister-in-law. He's also not believed to say that his own wife died. He's not believed to say that his own wife died so that he can now marry his sister-in-law, his wife's sister, because he can only marry his wife's sister if his wife is uh, is is alive. So he's not believed in any of those cases. Uh, you're going to tell me that the same implication, you're going to make, make the same deduction that he's not believed, but one witness is believed to say such a thing? No, one witness is not believed. Just back to the basics. A witness is never believed in court. One witness alone is never believed in court. The only time we believe one witness is we make this major exception so be, so this this woman has the ability to uh, to get married because she's married to her husband. She cannot The husband went away uh, on a trip. He, he hasn't come back and we want to make sure that she doesn't become an aguna, somebody who can't get married again. So we, we'll, we will be leaning to trust one witness. But in these cases of the man, the man saying that um, that his his wife died, or to say that her his brother died, so that he can marry the the sister in law. That has nothing to do with aguna. Uh, that has nothing to do with the fact that he can't get married. He can get married to many people. He, in that case, he, he he has the he has the ability to marry many women, even if he's married to his, his current wife uh, currently, and, and we don't know whether or not she's alive. He can marry anybody else. He's allowed to marry uh, times of the gemara. He's allowed to marry multiple women. It's just that he can't marry his wife's sister, but he can marry anybody else. So in that case, certainly we won't believe one witness. So you cannot make uh, 
the inference to say, ah, oh, it's certainly not in, in the second case of the, of the Brisa, which is dealing with the man himself, to say he's not believed, but the witness is believed. No, the one witness is also not believed. Once you can't make that deduction, you also can't not make it in the first case of the same Brisa, which is where uh, the woman herself, the sister-in-law herself says that uh, her brother-in-law died. She's not believed in that case. Don't say, oh, but one witness is believed. No, it's not true because that doesn't apply throughout the Brisa. No, that, that, that's not what it's about. So why do we have the whole Brisa to say why she's not believed? Again, the whole case that we're discussing here, we're trying to figure out why do you need the case at the beginning of the Brisa? Where a woman says, sister-in-law says that my brother-in-law died... We thought that she's not believed in that case. We thought that that's obvious. She's not believed in that case is obvious. She's not believed. Um, it's not about her husband. Uh, and she, so she's not believed to say that her brother-in-law died. Uh, and it's obvious. Why do we need that case? Maybe it's to tell us about one witness, an outside witness would be believed. The Gemara says, no, it's not to teach us about one witness. It's really to teach us about herself. You might have thought that she is believed to tell you that her brother-in-law died. Why would you say that she is believed to tell you that her brother-in-law died? Uh, because we're going according to uh, Rabbi Akiva. And according to Rabbi Kiva, uh, if she were to marry somebody else because her brother-in-law died, well, if it would be false and her brother-in-law is really alive and she married somebody else, according to Rabbi Kiva, the children are mamzerim. The children would be mamzerim because it's an ordinary negative commandment to marry somebody else when your brother-in-law is actually alive and you're supposed to do yibam. Uh, so the children, in fact, are would be mamzerim if you were if you were to be wrong uh, and the brother-in-law were, were to be alive. So maybe now she has an incentive to really look into the matter very well because she doesn't want her children to be mamzer. Nobody wants their children to be mamzer. And so therefore she's going to look into the matter well. And so this is a reason to say we would believe her because in this case the children would be mamzer. Uh, but the Gemara says no, or the Brisa in fact says that no, we still don't believe her. Why don't we believe her? Because even though it's true, according to Rabbi Kiva, the children would be mamzer, but the factor of the fact that maybe... Her, she really hates uh, her brother-in-law to the point where, you know, up, it just needs to be the point where he, she really can't stand mar- being married to the guy. Uh, so then maybe she's not going to look into the matter as well as she should have. And so she's going to she she's gonna have this incentive to not look into it as well because she really doesn't want to do even with the brother-in-law. And so therefore, uh, maybe she'll even say that the brother-in-law died. She'll outright say that the brother-in-law died uh, so that she could get out of doing yibam. That that factor of the hate of making sure that she doesn't marry her brother-in-law, we wouldn't trust her to say that she's uh, that the brother-in-law actually died. And we really need it for that, because you might have thought that really we should believe her, because if she marries somebody else and the brother-in-law comes back, so then the children are mamzerim, and she certainly wouldn't want that. No, even though that's true, but the factor, the fact that she doesn't want to be married to her brother-in-law is a stronger factor, and so therefore maybe she really is lying. In the end of the day, uh, we have no answer from this brisa. The point is that this brisa does not teach us anything about one witness. Again, this is all going back to the original question. One witness says the brother-in-law died. She can now go ahead and marry somebody else, which is an ordinary negative commandment. Uh, do we believe that one witness or not? Do we say that, you know what, we don't believe the one witness because maybe she's not going to look into the matter because she really uh, doesn't want to be married to the brother-in-law, and so therefore she's not going to look into it as well. She's just going to trust the one witness. Um, that's the question. So we haven't answered that question. So now we have a third attempt. Rava Amar. Rava says, 
Rebbe says, I'm telling you, one witness is believed because of a kalva chomer, because as follows, the following logical argument, because we believe one witness to say that a, a woman's husband died. And that everybody agrees to. That, that was from the beginning of the chapter. One witness comes and says, your husband died, you're believed to go ahead and marry somebody. If he's wrong, if that one witness is wrong, so you've just committed adultery, which is a severe negative commandment. It's a very severe negative commandment. So then if we believe the one witness in that case, so then certainly we'll believe the witness uh, when the witness is saying something where if he's wrong, she only violates an ordinary negative commandment. In this case, she's not married. Everybody agrees the husband died. The witness is just saying that the brother-in-law also died. Now, if the, if the witness is wrong and she married somebody else, it's an ordinary negative commandment. It's not as severe. She's not married to anybody right now. Uh, so this one witness, if he's false, uh, is just causing her to violate an ordinary negative commandment. Well, if we believe the one witness to say that her actual husband died, which then she'll marry somebody else, which in general, if the, husband, if the, if the witness was wrong, the husband's really alive, that would be viewed as adultery, but we still believe the one witness to say the husband died, so then certainly in our case, we should believe the witness to say that the brother-in-law died. So the Gemara answers, no, you can't, uh, you can't answer like that. It's not true. With regards to her herself, the wife herself, a wife is also believed to say that her own husband died. We believe a wife to say that her own husband died. Because we believe that she'll really look into the matter uh, and, and we trust her and we believe her. But to say that, which, which if, if she was wrong, if she was lying, she would be committing adultery. If we believe her in that case, yet we don't believe her in the case to say that her brother-in-law died. Why not? What's the reason? Because the whole concern is that when it comes to the brother-in-law, she has an incentive not to look into the matter well. Because maybe she really does not want to be married to her brother-in-law. She, she, would, she, would, be in a, she would hate the situation. And so therefore... She has a reason, even though it's, it's not as severe uh, of a relationship when she marries somebody else. But still, she has a high reason, to, there's, a, there's a high reason for us to th- think that she's lying because she doesn't want to be married to her brother-in-law and therefore she's saying that her brother-in-law died. The same is not true with regards to her husband. That's what the, that's what the, Gemara, that's what the Gemara says. Okay, the Gemara later on, not, not now, but the Gemara later on will discuss other scenarios. Maybe, maybe she doesn't want to be married to her, her own husband. Uh, because they're in a fight, uh, different other scenarios. So then we also wouldn't trust her in those cases. Maybe we wouldn't trust her in those cases as well. That's going to be discussed later on in, uh, in, in this tractate. Uh, so if we know of other circumstances, maybe we also wouldn't trust her about her own husband. Okay. The Gemara just has a few more lines until the next Mishnah, so we'll, we'll do a few more lines. This goes back to the Mishnah. The Mishnah discussed the fact that um, if a person... Uh, without getting into too much of the context of the Mishnah, uh, this is a totally different topic. A person, if they give a get, a divorce document, to somebody who's not their wife, uh, that has no halakhic ramifications whatsoever. It's not your wife. has no halakhic ramifications, and it was based on the verse. It was based on the verse which said, V'yisha, grusha, me'isha, that a person divorces his own wife. If it's, if it's not his wife, it has no halakhic ramifications. So the Gemara on that topic says as follows. Rabbi Lazar is the one who says this. Rabbi Lazar is the one who said that if you give a divorce document to somebody who's not your wife, has no halachic significance whatsoever. Uh, now, he said something which could have been pearls. Instead, he, he said something which is shards. He could have given such a better explanation to that 
verse. Why? My Marginia, so what is the pearl that he could have said? Because we have a Brisa which says, the verse which says, because you can read the verse as follows. A woman who is divorced from her husband, meaning, and is only divorced from her husband, meaning as follows. What happens if a man gives his wife a divorce document and says, I am divorced from you, but you also have to realize you cannot marry, a terrible thing, you cannot marry anybody else. You are divorced from me, but you also cannot marry anybody else. And so therefore, it's like you're only divorced from me you, and, you're, and you, can't, you can't marry anybody else. So the verse is saying, that's the verse. A woman who's divorced from her husband and her husband only. She does not let him marry anybody else. So the verse is telling us she's certainly not divorced. That's not, that doesn't qualify as a divorce. But it does accomplish something. It's something that we refer to as reyach haget. It smells of a get. It smells of a divorce. And since it smells of a divorce, even though it's not a valid divorce. That would never work. It's not a complete separation. A complete separation is where she's now permissible to marry whoever she wants. Uh, it's not a complete separation. And so therefore it's not a divorce, but it smells of a divorce. Since it smells of divorce, we say that she's not allowed to marry a Kohen. Because somebody who's divorced is not allowed to marry a Kohen. She too is not allowed to marry a Kohen. Even though it's not a halachic divorce, it smells of a divorce. And therefore she cannot uh, marry a Kohen. As a result of that, um, she, she remains married but uh, she, she cannot marry a Kohen. Now, that issue of mar- marrying Kohen, there's a discussion, is this on a biblical level? Is it only on a rabbinic level? The Rambam, Maimonides, says it's only on a rabbinic level. Uh, but that is the law of reyach haget. It smells of a get, it smells of a divorce, and so therefore she is um, uh, cannot marry a Kohen. Okay, we are up to the next Mishnah, and in our next recording, we will begin a new Mishnah.